0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And that is a message I've entitled, Weapons of Mass Distraction. Weapons of Mass Distraction. Um, A former president of the United States of America went to the other side of the world to try and find weapons of mass destruction and never found any. But I went to the Bible and I found a number of weapons of mass destruction and I want to share them with you this morning. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, And if you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 12. That's where we're going to start this morning. John chapter 12 by way of introduction, um, reading verse 23. Jesus replied, verse 23, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. One of the biggest understatements in the Scriptures. Jesus saying, my heart is troubled. And it's really interesting uh, as we look at the response of this troubled man. Have you ever had a troubled heart? Have you ever been so overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed with concern, overwhelmed with trouble? Well, time's that by a gazillion and we've got a man named Jesus because the weight He's carrying is the weight of the world. He's got the weight of the world on His shoulders. You ever heard that saying? Jesus quite literally has the weight of the world on His shoulders at that moment. And He says, my heart is troubled. And he asks himself this rhetorical question. So what should I do? Give up? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Should I give in? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so burdened. What should I do? This is what makes Jesus such a Saviour for me and for you because of how He responded when His heart was troubled. It's not the fact that his heart was troubled. Hey, you and I will have heart troubling moments, but how we respond is all important. And Jesus says, how am I gonna respond to this heart troubling moment? What shall I say? What shall I do? What should I think? How should I respond? What should I do? Father, save me from this hour. Sounds like many of our prayers, get me out of here. He says, is that, is that the kind of thing I'm gonna do right now? Is that where I'm gonna, is that where I'm gonna lower my prayers to? Get me out of here. Is that what, is that what I've, been, I've been through 33 years just to reduce my prayers to God help me, God get me out of here. I've had enough, smite that person. Am I gonna reduce this moment to mediocre prayers or am I gonna keep it big? And so he asks himself this rhetorical question, what should I say? Save me from this hour? And then he answers himself immediately, no. Everyone say, no. No. He says, no. It was for this very reason I came to this very hour. This was my purpose. This was my destiny. This is why I'm here. The weight I'm carrying is because that is why I have come. It's an amazing thing to me that Jesus' heart is troubled. He's full of so many concerns, so many thoughts. And in that moment, it's so easy for Him to get distracted. And somehow, He's able to put all those distractions, all those thoughts, all those competing things going on in His mind to one side and say, Father, are You to save me from this hour? This is His moment of truth. And it's a moment we will all face. How we respond when our hearts are troubled. How are we gonna respond? And effectively, Jesus is rebuking our small prayers when we say, get me out of here. In actual fact, in John 17, Jesus prays for the disciples and He says, I pray, Father, that You would not take them out of this world. You would not take them out of trouble. Oh, but that You would strengthen them from the inside out and give them strength to go through their times of trouble. And so Jesus in this moment, is able to put all those distractions to one side and come to this conclusion, no, it's for this very hour that I've come. And he laid down his life as a sacrifice for many. Why? Because he knew his purpose. And his purpose was people. John chapter 3, verse 16. You see it everywhere. You'll even see it in a Simpsons cartoon. Some person will be holding up a card saying John 3.16, it's everywhere. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That was His purpose for coming, to reach precious people. And I can't think of a better mission statement than ours that wants to connect people. Everyone say people. People. We are here to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. That's why we exist as a church. Victory Church is why we are here, to connect precious people. People, for God so loved the world. And He came to save humanity. And that's exactly what He did. But in order to do that, He had to overcome some distractions. And so this morning, in our time together, I want to look at six weapons of mass distraction that Jesus faced. And because Jesus faced them, you and I. Will also face them. And these are very strategic weapons of the enemy to cause us to get off point. So, you ready to go through them this morning? Awesome. The first weapon of mass distraction that we see Jesus had to contend with his whole life was people. Precious. People. You see, John chapter 12, the verse that we've just read from, if you go back to the beginning, you will see Jesus reclining with his friend Lazarus, along with the 12 disciples and Mary and Martha. There was a room full of people. And if you continue to read John chapter 12, you'll see a list of people that were in Jesus' world. And all of those people wanted something from Jesus. They all demanded something from him. In John chapter 12, verse 20, it says Now there were some Greeks among them that went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Jesus was in demand. Everyone wanted a piece of Him. Have you ever felt like everyone wants a piece of you? Jesus felt that. Philip went to tell Andrew and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. This is the ultimate in Chinese whispers. You've got these Greek believers coming to hear and see Jesus and they want an appointment with him and they they go to Philip and say hey Philip Psst. it's like much of what we saw at Hillsong everyone's trying to get a piece of Brian so they they use their connections who know their connection who knows their connection in order to get to him hoping to get to Justin Bieber <laughs> amazing what goes on and, and, and so the these these Greeks go to Philip and say Philip any chance to get an appointment with um Jesus. And Philip's like, oh, I don't know. And so he asked Andrew, a, a, psst, Andrew, um, got some guys from Greece, so they, they, they want to see Jesus. What do you think? I, I don't know. Um, how about I go talk to Jesus? Then Andrew rethinks thinks and says, no, no, you come with me, I'm scared. <laughs> Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus. People wanted his time. Jesus had to resist, I want you to get this, being pulled down to the smallness of other people's world. Jesus had to do that and so will you and so will I. We have to continually resist being pulled down into the smallness of other people's world. And we all face worlds in which we live. There's the family world, there's your work world, there's church, there's sporting, and it's a juggling act. And just when you think you're getting on top of it, young Johnny comes back and said, I've just joined the cricket team. Oh, great. And there's all these things and all these people that you've got to entertain and and, and factor in to managing your life. The very thing that God has called us to is people. But the very thing that distracts us most is people. People. The people in our world can be the very ones who distract us from reaching the people in our world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And Jesus would not even let certain people in his world distract him from reaching the people in his world. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, John 16, verse uh, 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, that was his world, the world. And he didn't want his world to be reduced to an appointment. And for Him to stay on mission, for Him to stay on point, for Him to fulfill His plan and purpose, He couldn't allow precious people to get in the way of reaching precious people. Don't let what you're about distract you from what you're about. It's an amazing thing for me that Jesus went on the cross and died for people, but He was killed by people. The very people He was trying to reach are the very ones that killed Him. Don't let people get in the way of your purpose in serving God. Weapon of mass distraction, number one, people. Weapon of mass uh, distraction, number two, popularity. Popularity. In John chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out where Jesus was and came, not only because of Him, but also to see Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. In other words, they didn't really care about Jesus. They just wanted the spectacular. They just wanted the miracles. They just wanted something from Him. And Jesus' popularity was increasing. It was growing across the region. And Jesus would not even allow the popularity He was gaining to get in the way of what He was called to do. In other words, He would not allow the special, the spectacular to get in the way of His role in building and establishing the church. These particular Jews heard some things were going on and they wanted to see this dead guy. They wanted to see this guy who'd been dead for four days. They wanted to see it with their own eyes. They wanted to see the miracle. Can I say this? You cannot build a community of believers on miracles alone. People often think that if we had more signs and wonders and miracles, the church would grow. That is not necessarily true. In actual fact, Jesus rebuked the two cities where He did the most miracles because they failed to believe. They failed to change. They just wanted more miracles. They didn't want Jesus, they wanted miracles. And Jesus was not about building crowds. He was about building people. And so He never allowed His popularity to get in the way of His mission and purpose for life. As your profile increases and there are more demands on your life, you might get a promotion at work. You might get a promotion somewhere in the school or the university and you may find yourself as a head prefect or whatever the case may be and there's popularity and status with that. That's fantastic, nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But don't allow that to get you off purpose, yeah, very good. Good. off mission. You may be the apple of your daughter's eye or the apple of your son's eye and they just look up to you as a parent and think you can do no wrong. Don't buy into that. Don't believe your own press. In actual fact, I was taught many years ago not to believe the 10% of people who don't think enough of you and and, and don't believe the 10% of people who think too much of you, but live somewhere in the middle. Because the 80% of a church, you know, will love you and appreciate you and respect you, but you know they know you're not perfect. There are some people who know you're not perfect, but there's no love and they watch everything you do and wait for you to fall. Don't listen to them. There's others who think you're just so amazing. You can't afford to listen to them. It's amazing. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. And then the same group turn around and say, crucify Him, crucify Him. Popularity is fleeting. Don't put your trust in popularity. Do not be distracted by the popularity and the prominence that you gain in your life. Weapon of mass distraction number three are problems that we face. In John chapter 12, verse 10, it says, So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of Him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and they were believing in Him. This is what I've learnt about opposition. One, it's gonna come your way because it came the way of Jesus. It's coming. Opposition is coming. Problems are coming your way. But quite often when it comes to opposition, it doesn't make sense. A lot of opposition that comes our way actually doesn't make sense. Let's look at what's taking place here. You've got these these religious leaders, these chief priests, these head pastors, um, recognising that um, Jesus is gaining followers by the day. Um, And so they're now jealous that He's getting more followers than they are. And they recognise this man, Lazarus, who rose from the dead, is is, uh, bringing attention to the ministry of Jesus and so causing greater fame and popularity. And so their thinking is, we've got to do something about this. And so here's what they propose to do. They propose to kill the dead man. You've got to get this. There's a man who was dead. He's been raised to life. And now their plan is we've got to kill him. Now, I don't know what that meeting looked like, but I would have thought at that meeting, somebody would have poked their hand up and said, hang on a minute. Let's just think about this. Our proposal is to kill a man that was dead, but Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive again. (laughs) Um, Isn't that a little bit ludicrous? But you know what? No one did that. And they actually proposed to kill Lazarus again. Not imagining that maybe upon killing Him a second time, He'd be raised again. And then the popularity of Jesus would increase more because you'd be going to see the man who was not only dead once, but was dead twice. But there was no one with the wisdom at that moment to bring what was needed. Because opposition often comes from a place that most people don't want to deal with. And that is their jealousies. Wouldn't it be great to say, hang on, this is getting ridiculous now. Maybe there's another reason we want Lazarus dead. Maybe it's got something to do with actually jealous of Jesus. But that would be common sense. And you know what they say about common sense? It's not that common. But you and I are going to face problems. We're going to face problems. And we're going to make sure that these problems that we face, be it people problems or just problems in our home, problems driving to work when you run out of petrol or you get a flat tire. These are problems. They're big problems. They're first world problems. And we're going to make sure that we don't get distracted from what God is calling us to do. Very good. You're grateful for a saviour that refused to be distracted. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Brings me to my fourth weapon of mass distraction. And that is, and it's not a nice one, it's pain. It's pain. In my daily reading on Tuesday morning, I came across this verse and I felt God really impact me and speak to me out of it. And it's found in Matthew 27, verse 42. It's when Jesus is hanging upon a cross and those mocking him said this. He saves others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross and we'll believe in Him. And I felt God say to me this really clearly. That the trouble is with many Christians is that we want a Christ without the cross. We want a Christ without the cross. The cross represents death. It represents pain. They said, if you come off the cross, we will believe. And I think it echoes the voice of much of our generation in the Western world where we say, if you answer all my prayers, I'll believe. If you give me what I want, I'll believe. If you find the man of my dreams, I'll believe. If I could live a prosperous life, hey, I'll believe. If I have a life where there's no problems and everybody likes me, hey Jesus, I'm in, I'll believe. But we want nothing to do with the pain and the stigma of the cross. And we can't have the Christ without the cross. If we are saying yes to the Christ, we are saying yes to our cross. And our cross is that moment where we die to self. We embrace the pain and we say, this is part of my relationship with my Saviour. Pain is part of our life. And we can't allow the pain that we face to distract us from the job at hand. In John 12, getting back to our original text, verse four, it says, but one of His disciples... Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus knew what it was to experience pain. When he hung upon the cross, he experienced pain. But Jesus also experienced the pain that is probably greater than any pain you and I receive and that is people pain. Jesus spent a good portion of His life investing in Judas and Judas went on to betray Him. He spent the same amount of time with Judas as He did John. He spent the same amount of time with Judas as He did Peter. Peter and John went on to write letters to churches that found themselves in the incredible, everlasting, eternal Word of God. Same love, same words, same heart, same compassion. But Judas chose to betray Him. And not only that, He chose to accuse this woman's act of generosity. And Jesus had to endure that. And at the moment of the Last Supper, He looks at this man knowing he was gonna betray him. He says to Judas, do what you gotta do. You know, when it comes to people paying, sometimes it's come to that place you know what? Just do what you gotta do. Because all my love, all my care, all my input... if you don't know it now, you're never going to know it. Do what you've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. I think it's this people pain that is probably the biggest pain that you and I will ever experience. Yeah. Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, wrote of an occasion where he pleaded with the Lord three times to remove this thorn in his flesh. And the scholars, better minds than you and I put together yeah can't agree on what that thorn in the flesh was. But I have a a sneaking suspicion that it was to do with people, that it was to do with relationships. And the reason I say that and go against a portion of theologians who think it had something to do with his eyesight or a physical condition, I read the Scriptures of where Paul talks about the suffering that he endured. And he doesn't seem to complain too much about physical pain. He seems to suck it up. He seems to embrace it. He seems to say, so be it. I spent a night and a day in the sea. I've been beaten with rods. I've been thrown, I've been beaten with stones. I've been this, I've been that, I've been the other. And he he seems to embrace that and handle that quite well, as well as you can in that moment. But this people pain, it goes deeper. And he says, three times I pleaded that this, Thorn in my flesh be removed. And, and God answered with, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. And the reason I come to this conclusion that this thorn in his flesh was people pain is because I've learned this to be true. There's no greater pain in the neck than people. Yeah? And Paul had to face that pain. And Jesus had to face that pain. But both in the life of Jesus and Paul, they stayed on point. They didn't allow the people paying to change their theology. They didn't allow the people paying to change the seat that they sit in in their church. They didn't allow their people paying to change how often they come to church. They they didn't allow it to stop who they hang with. See, I've been doing this thing for a long time. And I see the same pattern over and over again. People get hurt. People used to sit on the front row, then they sit on the second row. And there's nothing wrong with the second row. God bless each and every one of you. Amazing. Some of you are working your way forward. You want the front row next week. We know that. But I've seen it over time, over years. And not just in Victory Church. In every church, every pastor I talk to, we see the same pattern. And they make their way. And then the third row, then the fourth row, then the back row. And God bless each and every one of you on the back row. You are so welcome. It's amazing. But I've seen this pattern. And every, every time we go back a row, we, we justify why. When really, it's got to do with our heart. Can I say this? People will let you down. People will. The best of people are going to let you down. If you can settle that, you won't be so upset. The best of people will let you down. It's your responsibility not to stop that happening. It's your responsibility and mine not to develop a wounded spirit. And if we go after distractions, we will nurse and rehearse to the point of developing a wounded spirit. And once you've got a wounded spirit, it changes where you sit. It changes how often you come. It changes your theology. Yeah. What I love about Jesus... Is how consistent and how constant. When they were following him, he was the same. When there were crowds and he was feeding them, the same. When he was doing miracles and they were saying, You're amazing, he was the same. But when he was on the cross and the disciples weren't there anymore, it wasn't just Judas that let him down, it was all of his disciples. At his biggest moment of need, everyone left. Talk about people pain. It's not just Judas now. He, he doesn't even have the luxury of whinging about Judas to Peter because Peter wasn't there. The only one who made them back according to Scripture that we can see of to the cross was John. 12 men that Jesus invested his life in when he's on the cross, there's just one left. Been let down? Have you? Of course you have. If you're breathing, you've been let down. That's not the issue. But because we don't know it, it's not the issue, we go about choosing sides and trying to get people on and it's a distraction. you trying to get here and her and tell my, my side of the story. One thing I've learned a long time ago in leadership, it's never a fair fight because I never get to share my side of the story. But in not doing that, I stay focused. If 21 years can't say something, then a half an hour with you is probably not going to change anything. And we've got to learn not to just get caught up in the smallness of people's worlds and their arguments where we nurse and rehearse over a wounded spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always amazing to me when people are hurt, who they seek counsel from. Yeah. When, when someone's hurting, you see who they go to, it's telling. But what's equally as telling is who they stop going to. Yeah. Yeah, who they go to and who they stop going to is, is telling. Yeah, is. If you found yourself pulling away from bigness, there's a chance your spirit's so wounded you just don't want to hear what you need to hear anymore. And so to get comfort and to get the immediate gratification we go to friends who tell us what we want to hear. And that's the distraction. When we, when we live there the, uh, the destiny and the purpose can never be fulfilled. Jesus hung upon the cross. He was so focused. He had laser-like focus even when they were mocking him he said forgive them yeah. you know why? they don't know what they're doing and we've got to get to this place where we understand people just don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing and it's far better to adopt that attitude than have a wounded critical small spirit it's a distraction and of all these ones I've mentioned today it's probably the biggest one I thank God for Jesus what a saviour Those few lines in that first verse where he said he was all alone. That's the Savior. That's the Savior. And there come moments in our life where you have to stand alone. And how you stand when you're alone is telling to your purpose being fulfilled or not. Sometimes when we're all alone, we're so busy trying to get people around us, we miss the purpose of our aloneness. And I believe God is wanting to grow us. And I believe in our aloneness, God is wanting to speak to us. Half the time, things happen in order for God to get us alone. Which I say, how did this happen? It's God moving things behind the scenes in order to get us to a place. People will let you down, but how we respond is all important. Don't let the weapon of mass distraction in the form of pain rob you. Fifth weapon of mass distraction is procrastination. In John chapter 12, verse 16, it says, At first his disciples did not understand all this, which is again a massive understatement. Most of what Jesus was doing, the disciples did not understand. They just went around in a fog most of the time saying, what is Jesus doing? They tried their best to listen to him, but even their best efforts fell short from time to time. And, and, and Jesus, you know, just seemed to be conf- uh, uh, confuse the disciples. Um, on one occasion, for example, uh, Jesus was talking about picking up your sword. And, and so Peter's like, dude, I've got that. And so Peter tucks a little sword in his cloak and, and come the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus is about to be arrested. And Peter, hot off the back of one of Jesus' greatest preachers ever. I mean, Peter listed that as Jesus' greatest preach. This is great. And and so he just reaches in his cloak, pulls out a sword because he's hot off what Jesus just said. And he goes to behead uh, one of the opponents, misses, gets his ear. Jesus is looking at Peter going, what on earth? Picks up his ear, heals the man, looks at Peter and goes, What are you doing? Put the sword away. Peter's like, What? I just sat in one of your church services where you said, Pick up your sword. John, did he not say, Yeah, he said that. And, G- and Thomas is like, oh, I can't remember, I'm just not sure how many of us And I imagine the things that are going on in Peter's head at that moment can't please you, Jesus. I bring a sword, I'm wrong. If I don't bring a sword, I'm wrong. Can't please you. I lived in a fog most of the time. Because this kingdom that we're trying to establish here is so different than anything we've ever experienced before. And just living in a fog. And when Jesus on the cross saying, Save me from this hour, what hour? What? And it's in this fog we tend to procrastinate. It's in the uncertainty. It's in the confusion. We tend to procrastinate. And we tend to put things that aren't important at the top of our to-do list. You know what, as a bit of homework, I would encourage you, for those of you who write to-do lists, probably the best thing you could do is turn your to-do list upside down and do that one that you put at the bottom first. Because this is what I know about human nature. To justify knowing we've got to do it, we put it on our to-do list. To appease our conscience, we say, like, no, it's there to-do. But we know if we put it far enough down, we'll never get around to doing it. But we, we're going to do it. I would say it's not unintentional that it finds itself way down the bottom. And so it's amazing how much we will fill our day with to justify how busy we were not doing the one thing Jesus has asked us to do you know that as a parent you ask your child to do one thing I need you to do this one thing it could be emptying the dishwasher it could be taking the bin out it could be cleaning your room and it's amazing the things that they will do other than that one thing say hey, mum I got you some flowers They're great but have you done the job I've asked you to do oh you don't appreciate my flowers give me flowers whatever but do what I've asked you to do yeah come on as any parents come on I I I think I think God feels like that. Yeah. Forgive your brother. Hey, look, Lord, I read the whole Bible. <laughs> Forgive your brother. Hey, look, Lord, I put more than 10% of my offering in. Forgive your brother. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come on, time. Because when you've got a wounded critical spirit, sometimes it's easier to put money in a plate yeah. than oh, yeah. confront someone. Yeah. Oh, and God knows that. And that's why he wants us kind of to grow us. Yeah, very good. He wants to grow us. So let's not procrastinate. Let's have the band come up here. Brings me to my last one. the Weapon of mass distraction, number six, pleasure. You know, in John chapter 12, verse two, it says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. That's a good thing. Martha served, brilliant. That's awesome. Imagine someone, you don't have to move, they bringing the food. Um, Lazarus was amongst them, reclining at the table. Mary took perfume and just poured it on Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The whole place reeked of perfume. This is a good day. I see Jesus eating grapes. It's just kind of, nothing wrong with that moment. A beautiful moment spent with family and friends. Nothing wrong with that. And Jesus experienced that. But you know what, I'd also learn? He never allowed that moment to rob him of his purpose. Yeah he was able to get up at that place and say okay I'm off it's enough I still can't help but feel that the greatest name can I just be a, if you're visiting just just don't listen to this if you call Victory home listen to this we sing the songs about no other name but I think if we were brutally honest there's a number of us say the greatest name in our lives is our surname anyone with our surname they are the God of our life We can have a talk, about, but don't touch, that's my son. so Don't you talk about him like that. You know, and I see it all the time. I know teachers experience this. You try and, you try and tell a parent about their child in the classroom. You can talk about every other kid, but if you talk about their kid, because there's no other name but the name of. And we've got to grow up. We've got to, we've got to allow our surname to bow the knee to the name that's above every other name. Yeah, I love family. I love friends. i got a great social life. I do. A wide range of age of people in my world. I thank God for it. I do. Last night I had friends. We went out and then they came back to our place. Couldn't get rid of them. It's amazing. Isn't it great when you got friends? Like, okay, guys, go home. Those kind of friends. Lovely. It's awesome. you know what? When I I kicked them out, I had you in mind. There's a purpose. I can't afford to have too late a night on Saturday because it's going to affect this. So I love you, but go. So I said, you're awesome. God bless you. If if you're ever at my house and I stand up, I'm just going to kick you out. Or I'm going to the toilet, so you're going to have to work that one out. But what I'm saying is is lots of good things can get in the way and distract us. You know, social media is not a bad thing, but it becomes such a distracting thing. You know, television is not evil. It's not. But it can become a massive distraction. I said this in chapel. You know, I think there are some things we shouldn't be watching, but I think sometimes we make it more about what we watch as opposed to how much we watch. You can watch something good well, not bad for you, but watch lots of it. That's probably worse than, oh, we can't watch that program. How much time do we give to these video games? Is Xbox of the devil? No, but it can become a massive distraction. A good thing, but become a massive distraction. Clash of clans. What I know, if you're good at it, you've spent too much time on it. That's what I know. <laughs> Am I right? I, I, not only can't I do that, I don't even want to do that. I mean, just, uh, if you're good at it, you probably spent too much time on it. If i looking down, <laughs> delete, delete. <Yeah. laughs> and again, it's, hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm not against those things. There's some great series. I, I love picking a good series. I'm going to watch it with Netflix and all that. It's just great. You can watch them all in a row. I love that. But some of you got like five series on the go. It's like, wow. They say, Have you read your Bible? Ah, oh, no, I was a bit busy. I was busy. Did you miss an episode? No way. Watched it three times. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's just out of whack. Yes, Jesus didn't save me or you by watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they, 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 They're clever. Every episode ends just with something unanswered. That's intentional. It's intentional. It's not like they're going to leave it with a full stop. You just stop watching it. It's just comma. Everything's a comma. Oh, it's 12 o'clock. I've got to preach tomorrow. It's only half an hour episode. I'll watch another one. 12.30. You know what? There's only three more episodes in the series. Am I talking to the right people? Not bad. Just out of whack. These are massive distractions. Let me conclude with this thought. Jesus, in the middle of all these distractions, asks, Father, there's a clue. Where do you go in all these distractions? You go heavenward. What do you want me to do? I'm in pain. I've been betrayed. I've been let down. I'm in agony. I want to give up. I want to give in. I've had enough. What do you want me to do? Give up. Because when I look at a lot of people, if I was a non-Christian looking on, I would have to conclude that's what God said because that's what so many people do. If we are letters written to people that we meet, that's what we're saying. Just give up. but we live in a world that already know how to do that. And God is saying, Father, what do you want me to do? I'm in agony here. There's not one person that's close enough me to understand what I'm going through. My closest friends don't even get me. What do you want me to do? Do you want me, are you gonna save me from this hour? See, right here is a rebuke on all those prayers we've been, get me out of this, Lord. it's a mild rebuke from Jesus hanging on the cross. What am I to say? Save me from this hour? No, stop it with it. Get me out of here, Lord. Stop it, Lord. This is not a time to pray, get me out of here. This is not a time to say, give up or give in. No, I was born for such a time as this. It's for this hour that I came. I came for people, precious people. That's why I'm here. And at that moment, every competing distraction just paled into insignificance as he got his focus and set his face like flint and said, no, this is why I'm here. Oh, this is why I'm here. You know what? You will experience pain, you will. But if we can keep the purpose in mind that we're here to reach precious people. In actual fact, I said this after preaching at the chapel. Can I go a little bit longer? I'm a bit over time, sorry. But I just think this is worthy of a mention. You know, the fact that I have to stand up here with integrity every week is one of the things that forces me to deal with this on a daily basis. I thank God by not giving up, it's actually forced me. I have to stand in front of people before the Father in heaven with integrity of heart. And I can't do that and pretend. And so it forces me. Being in ministry... Forces me to do what I don't want to do. Yeah. Actually, if I just gave up as an to heck leading a church, it would take the pressure off. And the thing I see when we're in pressure, we give up. We don't serve anymore. I, I think being on the serving team, I think being involved, is actually the thing that forces us. It actually gives yet another reason, not the only reason. Now, Jesus alone should be reason enough. But it is one of those extra reasons that, you know what, if I'm going to stand before people and speak with any integrity and be able to say that before God and before you, there's not someone in my heart that I'm harboring bitterness against, that's got to be true. Yeah. And so God, help me to make that true because I get hurt. I get upset. I get disappointed. And, and so for some of you, if you like giving up, can I say, actually, you know what, maybe do the opposite. Yeah. Maybe use the fact that you've got to be there. And you've got to do this as part of the motivation. Coupled with the incredible Savior to help us move forward. Jesus knew what He was alive for. See, it's not just about you. It's not just about your pain. Because the pain you might be experiencing, I want to tell you there's a whole heap of other people out there that are experiencing pain. Yeah, we're going to start a series on Sunday night called Hot Potatoes. And one of the sub- topics I want to talk about is, is the debate about homosexuality. We must engage in the conversation about homosexuality. We have to. The world are talking about it. We have to engage. We have to have, we have, to have a say. And we have, to be, we have to know what the Bible says. And we have to weigh out what the Bible says with what the Bible says. Because while there's some scriptures about homosexuality, the, the, the thing is laced with loving people. And, and when does a homosexual stop being a person? And when that comes, I want you all to be here because we've got to have a voice. We've got to have a voice. And this is what I know. Some things I'm going to say are going to cause me pain. Some, some Christians who have been Christians for years, are going to, he's compromising. I know. And I'm going to walk into that pain and say, but for the sake of people, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I'm going to be misunderstood, but I've got to do it. I'm not going to be liked by all, but I've got to do it. Because it's our mandate. We have to care for people. We have to care for people. We care for enough of you hypocrites out there. We care for the gossips, the slanderers, the selfish. We care. I'll get attacked, but I know. I'm just, oh, Lord. <laughs> what shall I say? Deliver me from this? No, uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm up for a fight. I'm up for a fight. What the heck? Hey, if you back off, you might have a comfortable life, but you won't have a glint in your eye. You won't have a spring in your step. You won't have purpose because it's, it's, it, the glint in the, in the spring, it comes from purpose. It comes from something bigger than yourselves. Come on, let's not reduce our Christianity to the smallness of those we're hanging around. Come on, let's lift our eyes from where our help comes from.